you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 123 of the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes and at NFL.com slash Sheck, S-H-E-K. We are just in front of those two title games, and yet I feel like those might not even make the front page of the sports page with all the news that's going down in a crazy, a legitimately crazy sports week. Let's talk about all of it right now in our second podcast of the week with my main man from NFL.com. It's Adam Rank. What's the poop, fella? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. A pleasure to see you, and I'm glad we're safe and sound here in Studio 66, (laughs) away from all the cuckoo cheaters and liars out in the world, in the sports world, no less. Yeah, we're we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. Honestly, outside of Black Friday, or excuse me, Black Monday, which happened a couple of weeks ago, this has been one of the weirdest sports days in quite some time. With I, no game, like no games of note going on or anything like that. No, Just, indeed, we could go on and on on a on a quieter sports week. We obviously would have no trouble uh, talking about these two compelling title games that await us. Otherwise, we could talk about the battle for L.A. among the two NBA teams is a fine subject. Carmelo Anthony being taped by his own owner. But these are stories that we don't even have time for right now. Yes, we will give you our picks on our final breakdown of the two title games. But let's talk about, like I say, what's been a cuckoo week here. And by the way, hello to uh, the man behind the glass, 
Black Tie producing the show today. What's the poop there, Black Tie? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Good, good. You've tweeted out, I noticed, just before we got going here. You, you asked the Czech Republic and rank amateurs and the Black Sheep, your fan base, to, to I'm not tweet. a fan base kind of guy. I, I, I'm I not don't one care. Of That's bases. not the issue. Your followers, the followers of Black Tie, are officially now the Black Sheep, and uh, they're all weighing in with questions. Do you have any good questions, Black Tie? Do we just this is this is a you know, the we could have just about opened up the the bat phone and just taken calls this whole time, but instead we'll go with uh twenty first century social media and take your questions. What's everybody buzzing about? I think I have a guess. Well yeah, first off I just, I just want to say, you know, last episode this week, the first episode this week we went double O T so an hour and thirty o- minutes. Yeah, and everybody we, loved it. Yeah, just like remember how popular that game was on Saturday hey, hey, Mile High? Well, well it was a good game. I'm I'm just saying for the this playoffs, episode. The divisional round playoffs were spellbinding and I felt and Rank agreed that we needed to deliver an equally spellbinding podcast to, to discuss everything that we saw. Mm-hmm. And I I don't mind telling you, immodestly we delivered. We did it with the help of Brendan Ayabendejo, the linebacker who's gotten some heat for uh, his tweet about the Patriots having a gimmicky offense. And we kibitzed with him, and we got into some hard-hitting issues with him, too. He's the guy, if you'll remember, at the start of the season, he said that he believes in same-sex marriage. And for whatever reason, got a lot of heat about that. We talked about that. He drove to Ray Lewis to his final home game. Ray Lewis drove him, as he said. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Ray Lewis drove him. We talked to him. We talked to our pal Daniel Jeremiah, personnel guy, getting getting all set for the draft, mock draft, asked some questions there. And then we talked about those four glorious games, of course. And there's now a shame report about those divisional playoffs. I didn't think I would be able to muster five worthy shame candidates, but turned out not to be hard at all to do it. Of course, there were four winners, but then again, there were four losers, so it was easy to come up with those. Check that out at NFL.com and Rank. You have your gridiron breakdown up mm-hmm. there as well, so be on the lookout for uh, for that good stuff. Speaking of the gridiron breakdown yes, and sir. the last episode, yes, yep. Rank's gridiron breakdown today has to do with Peyton Manning. Against versus Homeland. Yeah. Right. What's you know who's more overrated? overrated. Yep. Speaking NFL, of NFL.com slash Adam Rank is where you can find that. Awesome. Speaking of, so Mark Brady, our second boss. We've had Tom Brady on the show before. Mm-hmm. Mark Brady, our, our other boss, who actually is a big fan of the show, mm-hmm. he listened and he told he told me that you guys are way too hard on Peyton Manning. What? Way too hard on Peyton. What Manning. does that mean? We're going to get suspended? Is I don't that know. Taboo? I, I, I'm just saying. It's you guys... so crazy. If you say boo about anybody at the NFL that, that's uh, that's held up as a superstar, you, this is the kind of business you get. Wait, so what's his issue? We're too hard on him? Yeah, too hard on Peyton. I, I, for one, agree Let with me, him. I, I, I was so? jealous. You beat me to the punch. What a shocker. Wait a second. Black tie agreed with the man. <laughs> He agreed with the boss. Of wow. course he would. Shocking black tie. What? Where's your spine? I'm, I'm Where's your saying. dignity? Anytime you pre- you present numbers, and you know what? There's no bias or anything with that. The fact that Peyton Manning is nine and eleven in playoff games that he he's a lot, he's got a lot of one and dones. The fact that he threw an interception in, mm-hmm. in the double overtime that led to the Ravens field goal. Those are undisputable. You can't look at that and say, you know what, you're what? being too hard on him. And that was the whole reason why I decided to go again or try to put Peyton Manning up against Homeland is because if you say anything bad about either thing, whether it's Manning oh. or that TV show, everybody loses their mind. It's the, it's it used to be a thing like I, you couldn't talk about politics or religion. Now it's Peyton Manning or Homeland. I agree. <laughs> I'm not. And I, as you know, we've spoken about this rank 
Homeland to me went off the rails in the, like the last two three episodes. Mm. But Peyton Manning for crying out loud, like that I can't defend that throw. But the notion of him being one and done, he's always had teams. He had a lot of teams that had have had that first round bye. So that should count in his favor. <laughs> That's almost like a win, is well, it not? Listen. I that have said, as a win. Wow. Okay. I've gotten yes. a lot of uh, the, the abuse I've gotten on Twitter and elsewhere from Peyton Manning defenders. And le- where you're going is a semi-legitimate point, which is people say, well, you're a defender of Ben Roethlisberger. You never besmirch his name. And I say that's absurd. Of course, I have and have done it multiple times. I've I've uh, I've said, you know, I've talked about his character off the field and uh, practically speaking in terms of a football player. I talked about the way he finished off this season, and I said it's his fault. It's a quarterback league. It's his fault. I've always held him up as the guy who I want with one game on the line. He didn't deliver with one game on the line, and so I took him to task. Yes, there is something valid about saying, hey, Peyton Manning at least gets his team to the playoffs. Roethlisberger went 8-8. and With that team, which isn't a complete garbage team, they didn't make the playoffs. Peyton Manning did. Fine. On the other hand, the other side of that coin is, as I always say, if you are the main man, especially when you're Peyton Manning, and you take the stance that no one else in practice gets to take a snap, it's me, it's my team, it's uh, on uh, on some level it's narcissistic, it's making you the entire, what's going to happen with the team when you couch it that way when you are when you're the coach on the field as he's always held up to be then you must coach your team to victory when it counts most he doesn't do it he deserves everything he gets all right that is a story though that's three or four days old now already black tie let's get to the to the craziness we have chip kelly in philadelphia i can't believe it's taken us five minutes or more on this podcast to get to that all right guys yeah let's do it let's talk about chip kelly i got a tweet now from hobo showdown Asking about Chip Kelly. What does this mean for Michael Vick? Well, it's funny. We had that question today at NFL.com. We had to respond to that in a, in a, in a so-called instant debate about uh, with Chip Kelly and Mark Tressman goes to the Bears. What coach do you think is now positioned to succeed in 2013 among all these new hires? I go with, I you know, I follow it up with that question, which is, where's Mike Vick going? Because I assume, on one hand, that uh, Chip Kelly can extol the virtues of his offense for a guy who runs around a little bit like Mike Vick does. Also, I think it's some we we I think in the last year or so, I've said this a couple of times in a couple of different places, the Eagles, the the would-be dynasty. A lot of people got the slings and arrows there. Andy Reid, Mike Vick, the defense, Namdi specifically, the injuries on the offensive line. Somehow the two guys who never got any blame Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin, they are overrated. However, if there is any offense that it would seem is tailor-made for their two-dimensional skills and what the third dimension that they lack is is toughness, I don't mean to say they don't take a beating out there. They have, obviously, we've seen them play and take a beating, but they're not physical type of receivers. They're smallish kind of guys. I think this offense is perfect for them. I think Chip Kelly can sell uh, Mike Vick on that. Then again, on the other hand, much in the same way that John Travolta, whose career was flagging when Pulp Fiction is being made, Quentin Tarantino takes him off the scrap heap, salvages his career. Same can be said for what Andy Reid did for Mike Vick. So if there's any sort of loyalty, and for that matter, I don't know that Andy Reid wants Mike Vick coming with him to KC, but let's say he does, does Mike Vick go there? That's what will determine it. I think, the, I think the Chiefs are loaded. You know, we, I, I know we agree on that rank, that the Chiefs are a good team minus at the quarterback spot. 
And then the Eagles probably, for continuity's sake, would like to have a guy like Mike Vick. And definitely Nick Foles doesn't seem to fit an offense run by Chip Kelly the way he likes to do things. But Mike Vick can't stay healthy, and that's a big thing that you got to consider, is that in any offense he hasn't been able to go out and stay healthy ever True since enough. he's returned. True enough. Now you're going to go out and run around a little bit more and expect him. To, it, it just doesn't work. you got to have the right quarterback, the right players for that. And when you think of somebody like Chip Kelly, it's hard not to think of Steve Spurrier, how he came and he bought the fun and gun offense to Washington. Yeah. And it looked it looked fun. Like for a couple of weeks, he was out there setting the NFL on fire. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he's like revolutionized, revolutionized. Am I saying that right? Yes, revolutionized, revolutionized the way the, right. the NFL played. And then they <laughs> and then they had that Monday night game, and I cannot remember who they played, but they got absolutely whipped on a you know what? It might have even been the Eagles with Andy Reid. They went out and got whipped on Monday night football. Steve Spurrier makes the face, that whole like what am I doing here type of face, and then that's what I can yeah, see. Yeah, but, but you, you co- knew that early on that that was going to be a bad move for Spurrier but, when he said, "I'm not going to be like these other coaches. I'm not going to. I'm going to be nine to five or whatever he said. I'm not going to be sleeping on any couches late at night." You knew that he knew it was a mistake. How about guys of more recent vintage making the jump from college to pros? Obviously, Pete Carroll has done it with uh, with a little bit of success. But he wasn't. Right? He was an NFL coach before. He had been an, a NFL, NFL uh, head coach twice. Fair point. A lot of these guys, even Nick Saban. If you want to count him as having any success or not, he was still an NFL assistant at some point. If you look at Chip Kelly's resume, it's not an, it's not as impressive as you would think well, it is. Well, it's definitely not a long resume. That's, well, he the, was, that's the thing. He, he really doesn't take off until the last couple of years at Oregon. Not, not until he's 49. You, he, uh, to look at him, I would think, oh, he's probably, what, 40-ish? No, he's, yeah. a, he's a little bit older for a guy who doesn't have – as big a track record, but right. then don't get so what. So maybe he's landed Mike, on some some offensive plan, never before seen, that is ready to revolutionize the sport. As our colleague Akbar Bajabiamilla contends, versus another colleague Heath Evans, who contends that this is going to be an abject bust. Yeah, I just look at it. You know, he started at Columbia, went to New ha- New Hampshire. John Hopkins. All right, so these these don't these really count. These are training ground for him. That's where he, he was in New Hampshire, and then he went to Oregon. And I know. Then when, and then when Bilotti retires or becomes the athletic director, he becomes the head coach. Thought he was a little bit overmatched at first. You know, they lost to Boise State, LeGarrette Blunt that game. And I thought, you know what, Chip Kelly might not last the season. But now he's going to be in a situation where – he had a lot of advantages at Oregon. He had Phil Knight backing him. They were in the Pac-12, which hasn't been great. But you look at some games, and this is a point that Heath Evans made, where you, you pointed out that game against Stanford, they looked bad. They got out-coached. They got out-muscled. And when you take a real smash-mouth approach to what you're going up against at Oregon, when you have the athletes to stand there and go toe-to-toe with them, he doesn't win. He didn't beat Auburn a couple of years ago. He didn't beat Stanford this year. Yeah, I hear you. But you talk about circumstances being different. At Oregon, it's probably hard to lure the big bodies and where they come from and, uh, you know, that sort of. You're pulling uh, from California, though. I guess. it. it but, I, but doesn't it feel like at the NFL level that the offensive linemen, while I know that they're all 300-pound behemoth type of guys, at least he's not. There's not going to be a huge size differential. He's going to have the same size bodies at, at Oregon. 
in terms of recruiting, he's behind the eight ball when he goes up against a team like USC and a team that has philosophically built itself to be ground and pound like Stanford has over the last. But you were just saying they don't have physical receivers. They don't have a physical team. They don't have All a lot right. of draft picks. Don't use my words against me, Rank. I am. I think that if I were an Eagles fan, I'd be fairly excited about this. After a team, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen if you're the if, if you're an Eagles fan? That team that was stacked, this All Star team, the last two years, that uh, two years in a row, most people, including me, got duped into thinking, oh yeah, this team will be successful. They're a playoff team. They didn't go to the playoffs. How much worse can it be? So I I think it's it feels inspired. It feels outside the box, and good for them to convince him. On this, even though he's a liar, one of many liars this week. Mm-hmm. On some level, we can evaluate whose lie was the worst. What a week of lies for the for the world of sports between Lance Armstrong, Chip Kelly being the latest among a long line of of college coaches saying, "Nope, I'm here to stay." Oh, wait, I well, actually, I am going to go. Actually, I am going to leave. Sorry, kids, you committed here. I think. Listen. Talk about, you know, the Pete Carroll thing. He goes to Seattle. You'd have to be naive to not think that that weighed into his decision when he dumped L- uh, USC when those probation charges were about to come down on him. Same thing at Oregon. That's really why he's leaving. He's reading the tea leaves. I don't know if that's the sole reason. I'm sure he got a lot of money. I'm sure the Eagles sweetened the offer that they made to him a fortnight ago, but I'm sure it doesn't hurt either that he's starting to see, oh, yeah, we're going down. We're gonna, we're, something bad's going to happen to this program. I may as well ditch now. And then, of course, the other big lie that we're talking about is Manti Teo, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. I'd be stunned if the Czech Republic slash rank amateurs don't have a question or, or two about that. Oh, they that do. One. I'm not sure. Before, before we do that, though, you know who could end up being the big uh, – if this would actually happen this way, who would actually end up being a big winner is USC. Because let's say that Chip Kelly goes to the NFL and it doesn't work out and it's a Bobby Petrino type of situation. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the season, he realizes, you know what? This isn't working out. This is a bad fit. I need to get back to the college game. USC, who as of right now is sticking with Lane Kiffin, goes through another disastrous season next year. And they go, you know what? Lane Kiffin's out. Chip Kelly, please come back to college. What a horrible mistake, by the way, they've made there at USC To now that you've opened up that can of worms. I feel like it's insane. Monty Kiffin, all the USC fans were in L.A., so we have heard a fair amount of the noise locally here when people aren't, uh, you know, wringing their hands over their beloved Lakers not being in the playoffs uh, in the playoff picture right now. They are talking about USC. It's crazy that they haven't kicked Lane Kiffin to the curb. That's another story that broke this week is that apparently after the Sun Bowl, 10 or 15 of the players got into a fight. <laughs> they were bad. The young guys were bad mouth and Matt Barkley. So the seniors all got into a fight. Uh, watching, standing there, is the athletic director, Pat Hayden, and you don't get rid of Lane Kiffin. This seems loco. You're going to lose a year in recruiting mm-hmm. to your crosstown rival, Jim Mora. Uh, why don't? Why doesn't USC do that? Why don't they take the USC, UCLA model, which was taken from the USC model, which is to say, go get an NFL head coach, bring him in there, and, and move on from this mess. Because Lane Kiffin, why would you, if you're an assistant coach, anywhere – Go to USC when you know Lane Kiffin's a lame duck. You take a job, you move your family to California for a year, and then Lane Kiffin, if he has a 7-5 and five year again, then he's going to get fired, and then now you're back looking for a job. It's a bad move by USC. It's not going to benefit them. The 
oh, the team that stands above all the rest right now would seem to be Stanford. But Oregon's mm-hmm. going to be fine next year. At least there's a season or two before you drop off they'll, significantly. They'll find another Chip Kelly out there, and he's the probably wor- already on their staff. The big losers rank, and we've talked about it. And, by the way, you can look at the, the new video, Check to the Future, when Rank and I jump into the near future. We go to next Monday this time around to divine who's going to win the two title games for you. We'll talk about those in more depth in just a second, like I say, but you can check that out. We talked about it there, but the big losers of all this, the Chicago Bears, they must, they <laughs> must, they, I mean, Chicago in general must be saying, what? Wait, Chip Kelly was out the way. Why'd we hire the Canadian fellow then? <laughs> whoa, 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 undo it. Can we borrow the DeLorean? Check and rank and go back in the future, go back to the past and undo this mess. They don't want Mark Tressman. Chip Kelly was out there. What about the? Why are they? I, if nothing else, they must be picking up the phone and saying, "All right, Brian Kelly, how about it?" Chip <laughs> Kelly was only kidding around. It turns out he he did want the gig. How about you? Maybe you want to just move a little bit, a uh, little bit west here and come on up to Chicago, big leagues. Especially after what happened with his uh, star linebacker. Oh, my. Manti Teo, a keen transition there, Rank. Let's talk about the Manti Teo lie. <laughs> my goodness, this is this is bizarre. That's my reaction to it, like anybody else's. I, mo- actually, a percentage of people, as with any story under the sun, people's first reaction is to ascend to Mount Pius and start weighing in. How dare he? How dare Notre Dame? How dare the journalists? So on and so forth. Covering this story. Blah, blah, blah. But my question is, why? Why would a 21 or 22-year-old guy make a story? To, to what end? What is the, uh, what's the benefit of such a yarn? He's like the uh, modern-day Andy Kaufman. This is his Tony Clifton. <laughs> See, he's, he's pulling a prank on him. Yeah. Ah. It's kind of clever. <laughs> oh, well, no? we, if he comes out and says that, then I shall laugh. That would be my defense. That would, if, if, I, could, if I could counsel him. <laughs> Be like, dude, just say I'm I'm a big fan of Andy Kaufman. He would have appreciated this. I think it's my Tony Clifton, and you know uh, what? People would be he, so I forgiving. Hope, I hope Teo's a listener to the podcast because <laughs> that is a great excuse. Or he could go the more serious angle of that same sort of thing. You know what? As a student here, as a student athlete at Notre Dame, we I, I, I took a course on ethics and uh, journalistic ethics, and I wanted to see who would take the bait and. You guys did, and shame on you for Ooh. for believing my story. And now I think that this really calls into the question your methodology, and I think you need to go back to square one, sports media. It's Goodbye. It, it was and, a and thesis. Why, it that was, would be it, excellent. It was a thesis for his doctorate. That's the only way to go now, don't you see? Wow, that's a good idea. By both, the way, I, I feel both of these are solid ideas. Chicago, I like your punked idea even better. It would be great if <laughs> if, if uh, Ashton Kutcher jumped out of uh, at the press conference, jumped out and like ha ha and high five Teo. That yeah. would be a cool move too. He's a he's a Midwest guy. He might go. Well, I think he's an Iowa. He's guy. an Iowa guy. But if yeah. he's willing to cross those uh, those lines, maybe he maybe that would be a good thing. Maybe that's, sure. if he has a PR guy, which he must, he must have M- Manti Teo at this Got point him. must have a publicist. I hope you're listening. Get in touch and do this. What a cuckoo story. What, what's my reaction to it is why? I, I just can't imagine making this thing up. A furtive imagination, though. Good for you, Manti, at the very least on, on that. I don't know. So I usually used to lie to get girls. I wouldn't lie and make up a girl. <laughs> yeah, well, unless you're Anthony Michael Hall in Breakfast Club. She lives in the Niagara <laughs> Falls area. She's from the Niagara <laughs> yeah, Falls area. That's right. 
What is what would happen seriously if he had won the Heisman? Von Leibowitz in the, in the kill fire. <laughs> That's right. What uh, what would they do if he had won the Heisman Trophy? Would they? Did this, this is a weird thing. They can't strip him of it, right? Maybe. I mean, they took it from Reggie Bush. All he did was provide a house for his family. All right. Well, that's cheating. That's breaking the NCAA rules. That's a. This isn't a rules violation. It's just weird. It's a shows a pathological. I mean, it's more like John Lovitz's old Saturday Night Live character from 25 years ago, the pathological liar. Oh, that's the ticket. To what end? Yeah, that's the ticket. Say, what is the? What is the? Why is he doing this? It's weird. It's like I say, pathological. That's, but that's another thing he should break. He should reference Morgan Fairchild in his whatever his oh, statement a is. Bit. We're, we're referencing that's a timely John, bit yes. out there, uh, everybody listening. I hope you're <laughs> as old as we are, seeing so you know what we're talking about. Black tie Nobody shaking has his a head chance. behind. He's so upset right now. I got news for you, Black tie. <laughs> do you know who John Lovitz is? Yes. Who is really? He? Who is he? Tell me to give me some fundamental sort of detail about him. He was the guy in. Come on, I'm trying to remember what movie he's in. He was the guy in. Would you like to change your answer, Monty? Can I tell you? A League of Their Own. Good for you. That's exactly. You know what? That's where. I, that's what I was looking for. John Lovitz was on SNL, but he was also in League of Their Own. And in fact, that's where. When I, at the at the end of every podcast, I say it's been a thin slice of heaven. That's what he says to Gina Davis and her sister Laura Petty from. Uh, in the army now? Not well. No, I was going for uh, for uh, point break. Point break is what okay. I was looking for. All right, Jesus. but speaking of uh, all right, oh, but wait, I, hold on, hold on. Speaking of I old, po- something else. Do you know who Morgan Fairchild is? No, she was a bosomy blonde actress from about twenty years ago. Okay, I think she's still around. Speaking you of, you know who isn't around anymore? Rank Mr. Drummond. Yeah, we lost Conrad Bain. The Bain. Yep, he brought. He's the one who brought in. Arnold and Willis, now he's gone. Hard to believe. Todd Bridges is looks <laughs> l- right now like the prohibitive favorite to be the survivor. He's going to be the last man standing from different strokes. Who's he up against? Charlotte Ray? That's it. Mrs. Garrett. That's mm. it. Mrs. Garrett is still around. Right. We've lost Bain now. We've mm-hmm. lost uh, We lost Dana Plato. We lost uh, Arnold. Know, what's his name? Arnold. What's his name? Little guy? Uh, Dick Coleman. Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman. Can't believe his name. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be Todd uh, Todd uh, Bridges. It's going to end up the survivor. All right. Enough about that. Enough like about that. that Stop real. shaking your what, head. What, we can't have a moment to, to recognize Conrad Bain, who was not That's only great in different Bain, who did a great deed. He brought in those two little boys, orphaned little boys. He gave them a home and a nice home at that, a penthouse on, mm-hmm. on Park Avenue. Speaking of old podcast bits, so this is a question from one of our listeners as well. Dennis Adi. He asked... Who in the history of the NBA uh-huh. could be Dita Brock? All right, I'll answer that in just a moment. Let me finish about Manti Teo and say one more thing about him. A legitimate, <laughs> You're still on Manti Teo. I have a legitimate you? question for Rank about this. Okay. All right, fine. Speculative, speculative to say what the Heisman Committee might do. If he had won, I don't think there are any grounds to strip him of it, although that would be him showing up at future Heisman presentations next to Billy Sims yelling, <laughs> doing his sooner, his boomer sooner chant and all that sort of thing would be a little bit weird. Like, oh, yeah, you're the weird guy, which then begs this question for the near future. If you're an NFL team, what what kind of red flag is this? Like, I'm not I don't care if he's there at the end of the first round. I'm not taking him. If he's there in the second round, are you not taking him? Is he somebody who you just pencil in as, a, as sort of like a, you know, 
hey, Vontez Perfect didn't get drafted out of Arizona State, and 31 teams are now sorry they didn't take him because he was a character issue guy mm-hmm. coming out of there. What kind of character issue is this? I don't know. Is there any equivalent in history for this? This is weird. It is so bizarre, but the thing that was the most disturbing is the way he got run over by Alabama offensive players. <laughs> That's not going to help his draft position uh, either. That, that kind of hurts. This is just kind of the icing on the cake. I had made a joke to to uh, Daniel Jeremiah about him, and I said, oh, I, he, he reminds me of a modern-day Dana Howard who was an obscure linebacker. He was a Buckus Award winner in the mm-hmm. 90s. I think uh, the St. Louis FC – no, did, did the Rams, did the L.A. Rams draft him? No, I think it was St. Louis, whatever the year. So it was in the 90s. So uh, just a, an obscure guy who fell into the fifth round. I could see him falling You really think people yeah. – so, so his talent is – I mean, it's questioned now after the Alabama game. But if he's in the second round, at the end of the second round, you wouldn't take him base – at that point, obviously, skill-wise, he is worthy of a late second-round pick. But do you think teams are going to pass on him now? Guys – Get passed on for for weirder reasons. I, I can't wait to hear what he comes up with as an explanation for this. All right, now black tie. You have a question from you, you had that question from one of the listeners out there. Dennis it's an interesting Arnie. one. So who is the Dieter Brock of the NBA? Which is to say, if you don't haven't listened to the podcast before, from Dennis Audi, by the way, that's Dennis Audi. Yep. We on the podcast we talk about Dieter Brock. He's a guy who came into the Rams, a, a pretty complete team that went to the NFC title game, lost to the Bears in Soldier Field, that great Bears team. Dieter Brock was the QB. He was a longtime CFL QB for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Came in at the ta- tail end of his career and took over. So by that definition, I guess I would say Arvidas Sabonis. Guy came in, had a nice career over in the Soviet, had high hopes coming out of school. Or, I mean, out of uh, whatever, when he was 18 or out of the Olympics. I don't even remember how you come out of the Soviet Union at that point. But So, yeah, oh, he couldn't get out. That's all. Yeah, it's, a, it's the time when the when the Cold War is going on. So he right. can't get out of the Soviet Union. 7'2 seven, seven, guy, great 7'3 even, great passer, all that. But at the tail end of his career with bum knees, he finally gets to the NBA and looked pretty good. Yeah, he. a lot of people contended that he would have been considered the best player in NBA history yeah, had he played his whole career in the NBA. And for a big man, for a seven-footer, passed the ball incredibly well, was good at the foul line, if I'm remembering that correctly. But that doesn't, that doesn't fit because Dieter Brock, there's been plenty of guys in the NFL who have given it one last chance, who didn't really get an opportunity. This one was just because one that happened to me and a guy that caused me much pain and and really ruined one of our chances, and that's why we bring him up. So for well, them, for him to be the Dieter Brock of the NBA, it would have to be somebody who played for my teams. I see. And well, I don't know if the Lakers the, – the closest Laker equivalent I can think of would maybe be Carl Malone because he played in a minor league. He played for a team that nobody right, ever but won. But he let him screw enough, though. He's not he obscure. was an NBA player. The yeah. CFL is where Dieter Brock came from. What yeah. about um, – Wang Zhu Zhu. He was the first Chinese player. Ah, uh, Wang Zhu Zhu. What yeah. about the guy who went to the yeah, Nets but... and then Milwaukee or vice versa? Yi. Oh, Yi. Oh, he was the second Chinese player. Yep. Yi was yeah, supposed but... to be great, and he was young, too. He had a he great workout against the cheer. That's where he got all his. Uh, what his... about um, a, a, another MLB? Uh, an MLB guy would be Hideki Arabu. Peter Brock of uh, Major League Baseball is Rex Hudler. Oh, really? Where, because, oh, he was in Japan. Yeah, but Dieter Brock was an American, and I know we made this – you make that yeah. that connection that he's a Canadian, but when he came on the show, he has the southern draw because he's from Alabama. 
you forget he's an American who had to go away right. and then come back. So you would have to think of somebody who spent the prime of their career someplace Hudler's else. good, but Arabu's the one because he comes in to a good here. team. But he's not from here. I follow. He All didn't right. go away and come back. Next question, Black Tie. Oh, one other thing. I do know you can spare me if you're from north of the border. First of all, I love Canada, the parts of Canada I've been to. I love – you don't have to let me know that Mark Tressman is American, not Canadian, and that the CFL is a legitimate league. I know. Lighten up. All right, so people on Twitter have already hit me up on that on that count. I know. I was just – I like to make uh, glib remarks. Sometimes I'm not being 100% sincere with my cracks on, on the Twitter, just so you know. By the way, uh, speaking of that Chicago thing, here's a parallel to the early 90s. Just as Mark Tressman, they must be saying, what, what, what? We didn't know that we could have had Chip Kelly. Now can we undo this? Same thing. They put Comiskey Park up. I forget what year that was, probably 93-ish or so, Comiskey. Early 90s. New Comiskey opens up. Same year, I think, Camden Yards in Baltimore opens up, and it becomes immediately um, this paradigm-shifting thing. All of a sudden, people are like, oh, Retro stadiums are all the rage, and people flooding from all around the region to go see a game in Camden Yards and watch the Orioles, and the White Sox must have been like, whoa, 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 uh, we didn't know. We didn't, nobody told us that retro ballparks were an option. We didn't know. We just built a new ballpark. Same thing, and and isn't it interesting? Double whammy, the irony or coincidence, I guess, that they uh, that Comiskey is not too far from Soldier Field where Mark Tressman will be uh, will be doing his coaching in 2013. Comiskey, I, I, it says, opened in 91. Hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure... Camden was a little... Because Camden... In that range, both, 92, and they're both HOKs. They're both HOKs. What, the design? The yeah, architect? I think it's the architect, architect, architecture. Architecture. You're having firm. some trouble with uh, a I'm couple not, of words here today. I'm not being... Yeah, I'm not... You wear it I'm on your sleeve. So, well. so what? You know what, Rank? Warts and all. We don't care. Hey, Black Tie, next question. All right, guys, next question. Who's the biggest liar, by the way? So who is the worst, Lance Armstrong, Manti Teo, or Brian Kelly? The Chip no- Kelly, you mean. I mean Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to condemn him, as a, 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 but in general, the notion of Whoa. being, in a way, can't you make a case that the most damaging lie of them all is Brian Kelly, or Chip Kelly, I mean, or any coach, any college coach who does this, who gets 18-year-old kids to commit basically their lives. Here's what their lives are supposed to be based on your promise to coach them and, and make them better human beings and prepare them for adulthood and all that jazz. And then they dump off to go do uh, to chase their NFL dreams or a better college gig. Or is it Manti Teo, who I don't know who he's exactly hurt here except himself, and Lance Armstrong – Let's keep in mind, half a billion dollars raised with that organization. It, it is an interesting moral and ethical conundrum that it raises that I'm not the first one to mention it, but it's. But I, I do think there's something to be said for, yeah, he lied, first of all, about a sport no one cares about, at least in this country, nobody ever cared about. He made millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars himself. But the upshot is, hey, half a billion dollars for cancer research, right? Now, he's a creepo. Because in the ensuing years, he berated people, he sued people, and he ruined those lives by of the people who he sued for charging him with this thing, which he's now admitted. It'll be interesting to see if there's some sort of legal action to retrieve that money for his lies. Rank, worst lie. I don't really 
I'm not too worked up about any of them. The Teo one, like I was saying before, doesn't really – I mean, that's got to be the worst. This whole – It's fiction, the weirdest. It's, it's the, the weirdest, weirdest lie I've heard. But part of me also thinks, like, he let it – I mean, at what point can you come out and be like, oh, wait, I had made that up? It had been a ho- – and, and some people, you know, like, <laughs> at what point – You know, you're like, you know what? Yeah, sorry about that. It's like a sitcom. Like oh, some, so pe- oh, so some, people are talking about it. Um well, I mean, I mean, maybe I don't. Maybe you don't want to talk too much about it. We're having trouble. We're having some trouble. Yeah, uh, she died. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you do for future reference. If you have a made-up girlfriend, she must pass away. Yes. Yeah, that's a good note. That's another good note for good the note. kids out there. If you're making stuff up, I'll and tell I think, you. And Chip Kelly too. I believe that he meant it at the time that he wasn't going to go to the NFL when he decided mm-hmm. to go back to Oregon. We don't know. We might find out in the next couple of weeks that Oregon is going to get put on probation, that Philadelphia made an offer he couldn't refuse. But I believe at the time he decided, you know what, I I just want to stay in Oregon. Well, I'll tell you this, too, and I don't want to get up on Mount Pius, but I have heard a lot of media people getting up on Mount Pius about Lance Armstrong. And I find it um, a double standard because a lot of the people, a lot of those, you know, the the. The people, the the news about Chip Kelly breaks, and it seemed for a moment there Chris Mortensen had broken the story, and then Jay mm-hmm. Glazer had broken the story. And so who knew who broke the story first? And this is a big neck-and-neck competition among the Jeff Darlingtons here at uh, the NFL and Glazer and, uh, and and Mortensen and so on and, uh, and Schefter and all these guys. But it doesn't matter to any of us. We're sports fans. We couldn't care less which one of those guys breaks the story. Just tell us the news. What is more damaging, potentially, are the opinion guys who are, who now are also engaged in a heated battle to see who can come up with the most outrageous opinion, the most ridiculous thing to say, the most contrarian opinion on any subject. And it's phony because they're not trying to say something sincere. They're trying to say something that's going to get them attention. So in a way, maybe a little bit of a stretch, but much in the same way Lance Armstrong juiced to be better in his profession or to, or, to, or to win in his profession, can't you charge some of those media people, and I'm talking about the cowherds of the world who've mm-hmm. gone on the radio and, and, and some thinly veiled racial charges against John Wall. Look it up, Google it, and you'll find those stories. John Wall um, and his dancing? It was for dancing. Mm-hmm. He did the Dougie dance, and he said he's a me guy because he didn't grow up in a home with a father. And, mm-hmm. you know, it basically – uh, you know, plays as racist. And same goes for Rob Parker and his comments about uh, RG3, and he got fired for it. Skip Bayless on that hokey show. This it, this culture that exists across the country in that uh, small Connecticut town in particular, but uh, other places, but certainly the spotlight is on that place. There clearly is a culture there which is say something outrageous. Don't just analyze. Say something crazy because it gets us attention for doing it. When you open up that can of worms, you get victims like Rob Parker. I don't mean to say he's a, a victim, but, of course, I'm sure he was uh, poked a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Say some crazy stuff. If you're going to be on, on one of our shows that does this opinion stuff, say something wild. You'll get more attention for it. Look how it's benefited Skip Bayless and so on. Sometimes guys are going to go by the wayside with that sort of stuff. But to the point I'm making – trying to make at least is aren't those guys bad aren't they doing the same thing they're using artificial means which is not a sincere opinion to get more attention and further their career rank how say you that's what everybody's doing on twitter like i was when this thing came out with the uh when the teo story came out i'm like i cannot wait for the first person to make the reference to lance armstrong like hey lance armstrong guess what you're bumped off the news now and then the this should probably be an indication of the people i'm following and probably shouldn't be following then you just 
periodically, every 10 to 15 minutes, there comes that joke recycled over and over again like it's a bad open mic. And it just, yeah, everybody's just trying to race out and just thinking like, I don't think anybody wants to go out and say, here's my sincere opinion on this. They want to come out and say, you know what? I think this will attract the most attention. This this will make me stand out if I mm-hmm. say something of like this. Of course that's the case. So and, I, and it disturbed. Yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a bummer because I, I, I find it. I'm up on Mount Pius with it. I find that sort of disingenuine opinion making. I've been told directly by uh, by Cowherd. I, I don't believe a lot of the stuff I say. I'm taking a contrary point of view because I know I'll get attention for it. That is, a, and, and, in fact, that is sold beyond him. Hey, do it the way he does it. Buy program directors there. People have said, do that sort of thing. Look, he does it just because he knows it's the most interesting opinion to take. Well, it's, I, philosophically, I don't want to go on the air and, and make stuff up. I mean, I, listen. I don't want to I understand to... there's a little bit of a line you might not understand the vagaries between just bald insincerity and the the uh, the sarcasm and the satire that maybe I approach things with I'm not trying to give myself a pass but clearly I'm kidding around that, those aren't passed off they're said unironically they're just not sincere opinions mm-hmm. savvy I'm with you all right so we so we've condemned I don't that. Have... we've condemned everybody the only good people in the world are you and me yep I don't want to have to write a storyboard of my opinions and then come back later and be like, wait, <laughs> which side was I on in this Tebow thing? Yeah, right. Yeah, Am I, I pro Tebow? Like yeah. I have to – yeah, that's – That garbage. bag of lies. Once you start going down that path, what, what, how do you have an opinion on anything? Just, every day you just – and by the way, here's a little secret That's about, how you end up with a dead girlfriend on Twitter. <laughs> by the way, this thing of uh, the, the, this opinion making, hey, got to have an opinion. Guess what? There are only two sides to take on any story. Hey, do you do, do you agree with Lance Armstrong, or do you think he's not such a bad guy, or do you think he is a bad guy? That's uh, that's pretty much the way to go. If you're if you're in the, if your goal is hey say the thing that's the contrary opinion, just wait, hear what everybody says for a half an hour, and then go against it. All right, AFC title game. How say you? I'm going to go with the Patriots. Ah, you've changed. I was kind of I was leaning towards the Ravens. I went back and forth, but it's one of those things. Whatever my initial gut said, I wasn't going to overthink it. I almost overthought myself into taking the Texans last week, but I did not. So I'm going to stick with the Patriots because that's just the gut feeling right after the game. Well, listen, we had Brendan Ayabendejo on, and he was a good fella and everything on the show. He seemed like a nice guy, but I'll tell you, it seems to me the track record among teams talking trash about the Patriots before a game is not a good idea. They seem to know how to use that. Witness the letter jackets of the Houston Texans. Not proper tra- trash talking, but still, they don't seem to vibe to that. The Patriots know how to use that. I've gotten a fair amount of uh, tweets and stuff when I say things like that an athlete's going to be able to use that. I wrongly predicted Aaron Rodgers would be inspired by playing the 49ers going back there. He wanted to be a 49er. He wanted to stick it to him. He did not, of course. It was the Colin Kaepernick show. But for the most part, and people say, see, it doesn't matter. It just has to do with who's better physically. Tell that to Michael Jordan then. Michael Jordan, how many stories have we heard? He knows how to use every slight, every perceived slight to to, to burn another team. Talk about that to, to every coach in the last 30 years who goes into his locker room and uses that phony, no one outside this locker room believes in you. 
kind of rhetoric to inspire his team. Yeah, I think it does matter. You know, we hear those stories over and over and over again. So I do think um, that the Patriots will be able to use that to their advantage more practically. The Ravens have taken way too many snaps. They took a ton of snaps against the Colts. Obviously, double overtime against the uh, against the Broncos in bad conditions too. Don't uh, don't sleep on the fact that it was frigid, so their bodies are extra fatigued from that. And look at who they're about to play, the team that is running that uh, that hurry-up offense like nobody's business. I know a lot of teams do it, but they're really doing it with great precision, getting the ball up. They're barely, the Texans were barely in a three-point stance when the ball was getting snapped against them on certain occasions last week. I think that'll happen again to the Ravens. I think also the ray of hope for the, for the uh, Flaccos is this. They don't get a great pass rush to the Patriots. And so what the one thing Flacco does is throw the deep ball and maybe he can hit a couple of deep balls over the course of the game. Maybe they can grind it with Ray Rice. End of the day, I'll go with the Patriots, though. Unfinished business. And I think they probably know the window's closing a little bit. Tom Brady's 35, after all. I'm going to take the Patriots at home, redo San Francisco at Atlanta rank. How say you? Who will your Patriots be playing? San Francisco. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt. A- Atlanta, I know... We talked about this on the the show earlier this week. Matt Ryan did make it make a step. He did show something that I didn't know that he had in him. He was able to rally his team at thirty seconds, no less, and was able to take that step and get that monkey off his back, so to speak, and to get his team to the NFC Championship game. But the Forty ers look too good. The defense is is good. Colin Kaepernick seems unstoppable. They're gonna they're gonna run away with it. I get it, and everybody has weighed in at me already. That now the 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 fallout of me then touting Colin Kaepernick's people get this is the the media cycle is the way these things go. Is you watch Colin Kaepernick, I'm blown away. I can't believe what I just saw. Is the immediate reaction? I'm in on that train. Then people cynically have to rise up and say. Well, it's only one game. Let's see him do it again. If the, the the Seahawks took care of him, and by the way, that option kind of uh, that running quarterback will not make it long term. All right. In the meantime, though, if San Francisco gets to a Super Bowl, better yet, wins a Super Bowl with a running quarterback, I bet you they'd be willing That's to go back and trade that uh, second round draft pick for a Super Bowl crown. You know, if, mm-hmm. if Colin Kaepernick flames out like uh, Mark the Bird Fidrich. In 2013, so what? If he wins a Super Bowl for him, I don't think they'll they'll mind that switch. I agree with you that uh, that I agree with the people who say, "Hey, listen, he 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 can't do it against every defense. The Seahawks are a defense that can stop him. Atlanta ain't the Seahawks defensively." Mm-hmm. I think on that fast track, I think Colin Kaepernick's going to be able to take care of business. And we saw what happened in the second half to the Falcons when Russell Wilson was able to take over that game and really move the ball on him. Colin Kaepernick will do the same thing and. I don't want to get too overhyped with Colin Kaepernick because I do think the Packers need to upgrade on defense, especially at at speed. They just need more team speed, get rid of some of those older guys. But I I, I see the Falcons cutting uh, just being very similar to the way the Packers play defense with you well, know, some older here's, guys. Here's, here's why the Falcons jumped out to an early lead against Seattle is because they were surprisingly able to run the ball with Michael Turner. Michael Turner, by the way, seeing him in person, completely anecdotal, I know. But when you see Marshawn Lynch in person, 
it's striking what a big fella he is. He mm-hmm. seems like one of the biggest guys on the Seahawks. He is a mountain of a man for a running back. He's a monster. Michael Turner also big, but not exactly in the right way. He's got a big tuchus. He's got a big. He's got a big bubble bum. He's a heavy set guy. Um, I don't know why I feel obliged to bring that up. That has nothing to do with anything other than that's just what I thought. I was like, wow, that's an NFL running back. Look a little heavy set there, fella. But anyway, <laughs> he hasn't been great. Game in and game out. He did make some hay early in that game. That opened things up for the Falcons. That's how they jumped out to the lead, as I say. They're not going to do that against the Niners. The Niners will learn from the failures of the Seahawks. That's not going to happen again. If you put it on Matt Ryan to beat the 49ers defense, I'll take the Niners in that one over the course of 60 minutes. I say it's the Niners, and like you and I talked about on Check to the Future, again at NFL.com for your review, we'll tell you what the, what's going to go down in these two games. I guess we're kind of doing that already right now. However, it's interesting what it sets up. The last Super Bowl in New Orleans rank, 11, 12 years ago, Tom Brady, second year, takes over for Drew Bledsoe in the middle of the year, takes his team all the way improbably to the Super Bowl, beats a prohibitive favorite, in the St. Louis Rams, and now the exact same thing except reverse could happen to Tom Brady. Now, he is the Wiley vet. He is the guy who is on the team that uh, is probably going to be favored to win. Kaepernick, the second-year guy, taking over midseason for Alex Smith. It's an interesting uh, completion of that circle. The only caveat I would give is I don't know if the Patriots would be favored to win that game. The no, Niners smoked them in Foxborough, so maybe it would be. Maybe I'm assuming too much. Either way, it's a neat little parallel. Yes, it is. All right, fine. You don't seem as impressed by it as I as I am. If Black the Patriots time. would end up being, as you Rubber said, up. prohibitive favorites, then yes, it would make a lot more sense. But after the still neat, the Tom Brady, the tail end of his career, he wins his first Super Bowl. He could win his last. He's passing the torch. Could be. Like Could Andre be. the Giant to Hulk Hogan in, Super, er, in WrestleMania three. One thing's for sure. That is the best result that is out there right now. Because oh, please. if we get the Harbaugh's, that's going to be a long fortnight. That'll be fine. The Harbaugh family tree. I don't need to hear about the, but the Harbaugh that would be, boys for that two, would be months, second, two weeks. That would be background to the Ray Lewis tour one last time. Like that would, Ray Lewis, I think Ray Lewis is... Being in the Super Bowl last game is the key story, and I suppose that might be that might be. We will get tired of it, though. I agree totally. You know what? Here's another quick, interesting one: is if you would have the Falcons play the Ravens in the Super Bowl, it would guarantee that for only the second time in NFL history that a bird mascot is going to win the Super Bowl. The I only knew time you were going to do well, that. Well, it's true. Baltimore Ravens, only bird mascot to ever win it. There's a pox on bird. They don't, mm. The football gods don't approve of poultry and such. They don't like winged beasts representing their sport, apparently. Maybe Chip Kelly will change that. It's nice, it's nice and neat, too, by the way, as a side note, that they can now, that their green Oregon jerseys with the wings on them kind of translate nice. It's an easy switch for him over to Philadelphia. Somebody did tweet me wisely. They tweeted the uniform monitor and mentioned. They did? That they should. I must have missed this. No, no, I'm the uniform monitor. I know you'd oh, like geez. to say you try to pull a coup. I didn't pull a coup. It was laughed. It was laughed at. That's what I did. I scoffed at it is what I did. As you were sent to exile in Elba. And I think they this is the perfect opportunity, as someone mentioned on the Twitter, they should go back to their Kelly green uniforms that they wore in 1960. Chip Kelly, see, works perfectly. Well done. I you're, agree with that. Good. As a uniform you monitor. Your vote hardly matters, but uh, your support is nice. 
just that be, that being said. All right, listen. So we're now all set for the title games. Go back and listen to episode one twenty two if you wish. Nay, I encourage you, demand that you go back and do it. I think you'll enjoy that one. And we'll be back after the title games and get you all set before rank you and me depart for new orleans black tie let's get someone in here who can tell us about new orleans get us drew Brees or archie manning or somebody like that we need to talk about what to do in new orleans we're not going to be working 24 hours a day we want to find the best restaurant and maybe they could grease the skids for us all right well listen so on behalf of teo and kelly and armstrong and you good people out there who tweeted the show, we appreciate the tweets. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later on. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. Though Dave didn't mention us, uh, the podcast is not over. We are still here. Welcome back to another edition of the ATL Debate Club. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a man who practically invented the my girlfriend is dead excuse, Mark Sessler. Well, if dead, dead, one thing, but I've often, you know, in my youth rolled with women who barely didn't exist in terms of knowing me. Oh, really? Yeah. What age range are we talking? Oh, I'm talking youth. Like, you know, when you are thinking... I'm in with this person, yeah. but you're not living in an adult headspace. You you have no chance with this person. Yeah, girls didn't really like me in high school. Are you talking about high school? Did you have girlfriends in high school? On the edge of no, – yes, I did, yes. Wow, yeah. you were one of those guys, those guys huh? I wasn't one of big those jock, guys. Big football hero. I, I made a way for myself. I was not a big football hero, though. Yeah. I used other inroads. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's good. Well, let's, we could talk about that off air. I, that just you just opened up a whole like new way of me looking at you as this man that was just like rolling deep with girlfriends throughout his formative years. Also, probably incorrect, but <laughs> again, some progress was made. All right, I want to start this week. Um, I just want—I was waiting um, because I thought it was a little odd that you haven't thanked me for what. There's so many things I could thank you for. <laughs> Last week, I offered you the opportunity of a lifetime as a football fan. Um, on the podcast, uh, I offered you the chance, a statement to Browns owner Jimmy Haslam, uh, sharing your feelings about the franchise, what needs to be done in the wake of the Chip Kelly misfire. That's right. I, um, there was a large, eight-foot-tall, shadowy league figure behind us, <laughs> disfigured face. I told you that I was going to have him deliver that monologue via microchip straight to Haslam. Not 24 hours later, you have a head coach, Chud, former Browns fan, ate dog biscuits, which is something your culture does. Tell me. <laughs> tell me why you haven't thanked me, and tell me that that is not proof that I was able to get that microchip to Jimmy Hassel. You did something effective because, you know, Thursdays are – the night I have Fridays off. I go home on Thursday. I decompress. Mm -hmm. In the middle of this, hours after I had made this, you know, plea to Haslam, they hired Chud. Right. So it was effective, and I do thank you, Dan. And you know what? I'm happy with it. I don't want Chip Kelly. It's like a, a guy that doesn't want us. Right. Chud wants us now. He, he listen, was clearly playing you. It sounds like he, Chip. We got played. Well, I mean, I think the whole league got played. But I'm happy with our guy. Um, happy till September. That's what that's what it is when the Browns hire a new coach every other year. Right. You're very happy. Then the games begin, and there's uh, some issues. But you know what? Let's let's keep an optimistic outlook. I actually did a <clears throat> a Google search 
to uh, get the correct spelling of his name recently, and it brought up several Browns fan sites. And the number one um, headline is Chud's No Dud. So that's cool. You got a lot of good, a lot of young journalists and good headline writers, <laughs> possibly better than myself on that front. All right, what else are we talking about today? Well, I think we were we we're going to touch base with our boss, Greg Rosenthal. Oh, we should. Yeah. We should do that. Should we just call him raw? Let's call him raw. Let's catch him off guard. He's in New York right now. I know he's told me that he's in a suit and tie because he's got a laundry list of like important office meetings in the league headquarters. I've never seen him in a suit. This is. I wish we could see this. Do we? Do we have teleconference abilities? No, but I no. mean, <clears throat> you know, it, it it helps visually just to imagine. Yeah, no, he. It's, very well it just dressed. sounds like we really need to call him now. You know, I was driving to work yesterday, real quick. Yeah. I have a, about a two-minute drive from my house to the NFL headquarters here in, yes. in Culver City. He's on the radio talking to uh, Fox Sports while I'm driving. He's today. everywhere. He's everywhere. He was listening to you from the radio as well. He's now going to be here. All right, let's bring him on the line. Bryce behind the glass is going to get it done. Who knows if he picks up. Could be in one of those high-powered meetings right now. You. Uh, Greg Rosenthal. Hey. couple of your employees here. Are we on? We are on. We are on. We like to cold call because it just it just makes the um, the whole process seem perhaps more lively. Well, I, I always wonder when, like, Bill Simmons calls his buddies whether they know he's calling. It seems a little canned, but this, this is genuine. Oh, yeah, like when he calls, uh, what's his name, uh... Complex Johnny. litigations, John. Right. That can't. Yeah, I always, I always thought the same thing. There's no way that guy is able to just roll straight into, you know, Red Sox talk or whatever. When, but I just did it, so maybe it's it is possible. Now. Where are you? No hoaxes here. I'm in the, uh, I'm in the league offices today. We heard you're hey. wearing a suit. I am. Yeah. Well, you have to. You have to wear a suit every day you're here. That's that's why I never come in. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh you know, we wanted to chat with you about a couple things, but I think we've got obviously two massive games this weekend. Couldn't get any bigger. You know, we talked to you on the phone uh, the other week about Super Bowl planning, and I just want to—I want to ask you something because you sounded, you know, I guess subconsciously convinced that the Patriots were headed for the Super Bowl. How do you feel about this game? You mentioned a couple times. That uh, when we were at the Super Bowl and we were talking to various coaches, that one of them would be Belichick. You just kept mentioning over and over, it's going to be Belichick. What's uh, what's the deal there? Well, you know, they're they're favorites. They're home. They're playing a team they're familiar with. I'm not that confident that the Patriots are going to win, but I like their chances. I like their chances um, more than the Ravens. But I, I like the Ra- If I was going to pick one team to pull an upset this week, and I would take the Ravens over the Falcons. And I guess the Falcons, you know, are technically an upset. So I'm not, I'm not overly confident, but I think the Patriots are, are playing at a high level right now. Now, do you think, um, the Ravens obviously very nearly, you know, pulled off the upset last January in the same game. Um, what, what's different if you think the Ravens could pull this off? What's, what makes the Ravens um, better where they actually can finish a deal? Is it something as simple as Justin Tucker, or do you see something else involved here that, that's making them more dangerous this year? No, I don't think they're a better team this year. I, I think they're a worse team this year. Their defense is not as dangerous as it was a year ago. Uh, Joe Flacco is hitting some big plays right now. Uh, 
they're a veteran team that's been around, and, and that's why I think they were able to kind of turn it on here at the end and, and outplay Denver and Denver. They're, they're playing well, and they're not afraid of the Patriots. They've, been, they've beaten the Patriots in Foxborough in the playoffs. They beat the Patriots earlier this season in a great game. Uh, they can throw the ball deep, which I think you need to to beat the Patriots, but whereas I think the Ravens are a little worse than they were a year ago, I think the Patriots are better. I think they're the best Patriots team since 07 and, and maybe since 04. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens seem focused much more so than later in the season. One guy who doesn't seem focused to me, though, is, uh, Dan, I don't know if you saw this story this morning, Boston's mayor mm-hmm. got up on the podium again, and Greg actually did this post. It's a funny post. Uh, and He was, you know, opining on the Patriots' chances and their glories, and he uh, called Vince Wilfork Vince Wilcock, and then uh, – <laughs> proceeded to uh you know talk about Gronkowski as gonk <laughs> and it kind of spread through our newsroom but what's the Greg this why is this all the time. I know, why is this guy allowed to continue to speak publicly about the Patriots well and he had notes in front of him at the time I'm starting to wonder if it's like some elaborate prank on us that he's doing this on purpose because it's happened before I mean he said at one uh, victory party uh, that Veritex split the uprights instead of Vinatieri uh he's fought <laughs> some other names. He's bought the Celtics names. And it's just like of all the towns to have a mayor that has no respect for professional sports, no knowledge, obviously. You know, I'm, I'm amazed Boston keeps reelecting this guy. Does, yeah, wow. doesn't that speak to a uh, much greater concern in terms of the civic nature of what's going on in Boston, that you have a man that might, it sounds like he's almost, I don't know, there's something going wrong with his brain to call Gronk Gonk. Gronkowski is one of the most famous football players in America, let alone New England. Right. And why well, I also think it speaks to the second class status the Patriots have in Boston. You know, Patriots fans get on me at the time about this. It's a Red Sox town. It's not you know, I don't know if they would have so much disrespect for, for the Red Sox, but he clearly does for the Patriots. Um real quickly, I, I do want to know your thoughts also on the NFC game. Well, I think the Falcons lucked out last week. I think the fact that they blew that game in the fourth quarter is almost overlooked a little bit because they ended up winning the game, and they deserve credit for making those two plays to get it. But if if things turn out just a little bit differently on that final drive for Seattle, they don't have time to do it, and we're talking about one of the worst, uh, you know, chokes in playoff history. To me, I just don't think they don't have a pass rush. They don't really do anything defensively that makes you think they're going to hold San Francisco under 35 points. I don't know if they can win the game like that. I said on the the Damashek podcast earlier this week, my ultimate fear is that somehow, because I think the Niners are the better team too, I think they'll win, but my ultimate fear is that Atlanta has a good day or the ball bounces their way, they sneak past the Niners, and then we're long overdue for a Super Bowl where it's, you know, Patriots 55, uh, Falcons 17, where, you know, the place is dead by the second quarter. That's my ultimate fear. Well, those crowds are always kind of dead anyways, which is one of the annoying things about the Super Bowl. Yeah, that would be bad, but I don't know. They could throw the ball deep. You know, you know the one thing that the, the 49ers um, have been doing a good job and the Falcons do a good job is they can throw the ball vertically and, like, you know, Matt Ryan, if nothing else, was very aggressive going deep. I mean, he played a good game. I don't really worry about their offense too much. It's just that, I mean, when you watched that game last week, Russell Wilson, it was outrageous how much time he had to throw the football. I mean, there were times when he was back there for five, ten seconds. The Falcons have no pass rush. The only time that they stopped the, the Seahawks was really when the Seahawks 
uh, stop themselves in the first half. Otherwise, they would have put up six, seven touchdowns. Yeah. Well, let me also ask you, we're going to be in uh, New Orleans in two weeks. Uh, the whole around, well, not the whole team, but you, me, and Mark will all be at uh, New Orleans. You went to Tulane. Um, yeah. You are, we, we know you're going a little ghost protocol after the game disappearing in the streets of New Orleans. Should we be worried about that? Well, I don't know about after the game. More like the next week, I'm going to go underground and just stay there. We, we're going to have to do a lot of writing after the game there. Yes. But, uh, yeah, this is a home game. I'm, I couldn't be more excited. No lie. I mean, I've been waiting for this for five years. There, this is pretty much going to be the highlight of my career. And then the next week, once I you know, get drunk and lose my daughter, and, and pretty much I think that's where my career downfall is going to start is right after. Well, Mark and I are going to be in the NFL charter that soars back to L.A. on Monday morning. And you will be in our thoughts. We just we just want to see you again. <laughs> Are you concerned about bringing a child to New Orleans? No, she's. Uh, you <laughs> like, know. What is she going to do? Go to the bar? I don't know. No, it, just, it seems like a an, an ornery <laughs> well, environment. The, the to drinking bring a child. age was eighteen when I first got down there. I mean, it's still really eighteen uh, to get into the bar, so she could probably get in. They, they really wouldn't mind. No, she's cool. She'll love New Orleans. Oh, people that don't know don't know your daughter, and that's a lot of people on the planet. You, it almost sounds like she's seventeen, but isn't she like two? No, yeah, Not she's uh, sixteen <laughs> months right now. Okay, so. uh, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, Greg, you know, uh, because our podcast is only like nine minutes long, <clears throat> um, we've got to <laughs> cut this short. Uh, but I'll chat with you on IM probably in about five minutes. All right. I got thank some you. good stories for you to write up. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Thank All right. you. <laughs> so that's what you have to look forward to after we uh, we depart. You go back to this is my off day. <clears throat> I, right. I go into, as you would say, the wilderness and enjoy Los Angeles I don't know and where all you its go. pleasures. <laughs> yeah. You go downstairs and crank out some more news and analysis. Yeah, for like three more hours, then I'm into my weekend, and you're back. And and Dan and I, we fight about this all the time. Is it fighting, or is it just... It's fighting. My my week is ending today. Yours is beginning. Yes, my off days are Wednesday and Thursdays. This is your depressing Sunday. Yeah, well, that's the way life is. Now, one thing we didn't get to with Greg, um, but we want to talk about, is Ray Lewis. Um, I personally, I cannot... The Ray Lewis retirement extravaganza cannot end soon enough for me. And I, that is not – and I, you agree, I know. And that is not a popular sentiment uh, around the country or even within the walls of this office. I mean, what, what's the deal? Why do well, we – It's like why? you're not allowed – I think actually yeah. a lot of people feel this way, but you're not allowed to say it. Right. I'm not sure. It, it took on almost like a dynamic where the way you can't speak about our military, you can't speak about other – you know – Certain things in our country, Ray Lewis has become one of these pristine scenarios where it's like we're not allowed to critique the fact that I don't want to deal with Ray Lewis for two weeks in a run-up to the Super Bowl. They actually changed that old uh, cliche. You now, in in public settings and parties, you don't talk about religion, politics, and Ray Lewis. Right. (laughs) Well, it's right. I feel the thing is he's been playing for so long that you got a lot of younger people that love Ray Lewis that – only see him as what he's been over the last eight years. And we're not here to completely tear the guy down. It's just that right. I think there's some an exhaustion level surrounding Lewis, probably especially for some of the media, yeah. and even these teams. In the last two weeks, you know, I understood when Reggie Wayne came out uh, two weeks ago and said he was, you know, he felt it was disrespectful that Lewis danced on the middle of the field after the last play of regulation um, in that loss, uh, the cult season-ending loss to the Ravens. Right. Um, I also, you know, this guy, as soon as that uh, classic double overtime game ends, 
against the Broncos, Lewis drops to his knees and is pounding the turf. And it's almost like you can like imagine him like peeking his head up with one eye open, hoping to make sure there are cameras around. I mean, I just feel like that's what the, he's more. He's less a football player and more Ray Lewis, the like a, almost like a movie character. Yeah, it's changed. And like there was, uh, you know, yesterday was Championship Wednesday where they roll all four teams out for press conferences. You conveniently missed this. Yes. Uh, but so you know, they asked Joe Flacco, who talk about a guy that can't win no matter what he does. He gets up there, and it's like he's come off what is arguably the most career-defining game he's had. I mean, a marvelous performance against the Broncos. And all they're asking him is one Ray Lewis question after the other. And someone said, oh, is he out on the field? Is it Ray Lewis that's willing the Ravens to win? (laughs) And I like Flacco because he's sort of a no-nonsense dude. And he's been harassed from such an early state that he's just like, no. He's like, listen, when we're out there, I guess I'm supposed to tell you that's the way it is, but play to play, we're out there to win matchups. He's like, we're not thinking about Ray Lewis. Right. Well, you know what? The other thing with Flacco is this, and it, it's interesting to me. It's like, you know, it's still this idea that the Ravens, the defense of the Ravens, Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis and Haloti and all this stuff, you know, Terrell Suggs is playing on one leg and one arm. Um, Lewis, you know, he j- just right now, seconds ago, was credited with another tackle. He's now been credited with 300 tackles in the playoffs by the uh, the people upstairs that measure such things. Um, this is Joe Flacco, in case you haven't noticed, um, is leading this team now. And I, if I'm him, I'm a little sick of it. This year, he's being asked about Ray Lewis constantly. Um, last year, it was, you know... Terrell Suggs saying, oh, we're ugly. Our quarterback's ugly. We win ugly. And, like, Joe Flacco's probably like, I'm not ugly. Why? You know? I, I think it's just – I think – you know, I look at, like, London Fletcher, for instance, and we were talking about this a little bit before. Lewis has 227 starts. Fletcher, 224. They both won Super Bowls. Fletcher hasn't missed a game since 1998. You never hear about this and guy. And still playing at a high level. Still playing at a high level. You never hear about this guy – and Lewis also is – he's been an extraordinary player. We're not knocking the guy's career necessarily, but it's like one guy is a complete ghost. The other guy you cannot turn on a television without hearing him espousing his views and just sort of, you know, preaching at us constantly. Right. Well, and hopefully – Are we grumpy? Are we we're just, gr- oh, we're very grumpy, and we're also indirectly rooting for Bill Belichick's team on Sunday. So I, let's just get out of this. Let's get out of Before this. Before we go, I just want to talk about one last thing. Yeah. Um, our friend, Robert Griffin III, not really our friend, but on Twitter, uh, he sent out a tweet yesterday, which was something along the lines of, um, saw the new Haunted House movie. Uh, it was, you know, hilarious. Uh, Marlon Wayans, you did it again. It was something like that. And I was a little disappointed because I'm not a fan of the Wayans Brothers spoof movies. Right. Did what again? Um, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You know, and I do love spoof movies. I love Naked Gun uh, with Leslie Nielsen is one of my favorite movies ever in terms of comedies. But I don't think the Wayans Brothers have cornered this market that they, they're they so, you know, they're so insistent on spoofing any popular movie. It just kind of – it disappointed me that Robert Griffin III, a very smart, intelligent guy, would not have better taste in comedies. Not fair. So I just – all I did, I retweeted it and then put in front of it Psy, okay? Psy, period. Yeah. Okay. A little bit smarmy in retrospect. Possibly. But at the same time, it was just, I like RG3. I hoped he would have liked Leslie Nielsen movies over Marlon Wayans movies. Hours later, I get a tweet from Marlon Wayans. Really? Yes. And, you know, listen, he replied to me with a highly inappropriate request 
involving an email and his anatomy. And I can't go any further than that. Okay, and if you really want to find out and you're, you know, of age, you should because it's out there on the Twitter. But, you know, I didn't even I didn't reply because, listen, did you see this? And I, am I supposed to I'm reply to this? I'm going to go look at it. Oh, you ha- okay, you haven't I'm seen it. I'm going to go look at it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Listen, that's that's where we're going to be. Um, that's where we're at right now. I you're got rolling it. with filmmakers, possibly average filmmakers. Yeah, you could put it that way. Um, that's it for another edition of ATL Debate Club. Mark, uh, are you ready for championship weekend? No, oh, I'm excited for it, Dan. How did it sound like a stock answer? Yes, I'm excited for it. I'm genuine. I can't wait. All right. Well, we'll we'll be back next week uh, to discuss the Super Bowl. See you then. Later. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.